0: here
1: we go joined now by Brian Kavanagh and Danny Hughes to look back at the two club provincial finals over the weekend and um, the preseason competitions uh, looking at the club finals first I um, a uh, great win for Kim McLeod, Brian over the weekend, fourteen points to seven. Um, you obviously been involved now with Kim code um, for over a few years playing and um involved with teams in Kim code But I suppose there must be a very pleasing aspect around the club when you see a victory like that. I suppose without Paul Mannion as well.
2: Yeah, huge win, Paul. Yeah, huge win. Um, considering that Nase were were considered to be very strong. You know with the siege mentality that they had after losing the manager and Owen Doyle taking the charge of the reins there, but um, the Manion being dropped a lot of lads stepped up to the plate. Tom Fox, in fairness to him, he got his a bit of momentum in the first half, he kicked five scores overall. Um, but the croaks are made for Croke Park if, if 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 they're going to be beaten, it's going to be outside of Croke Park because they're just so athletic. Like, Nays stuck with them in the first half. I know Nays kicked a few bad wides, but second half Crooks just upped at another level. And even when Shane Cunningham accepted the trophy, like, there was a lot of hurt there. None of those boys have, have any provincial medals, or very few There them, maybe Rory. And they mentioned three years ago getting caught in the hop by Muddanyachta. And it took three years to get back there, but that's what was driving those lads on, and they weren't going to make the same mistake twice. And I'd say that was mentioned at halftime uh, against Nace that don't be leaving a, a, a one or two point gap between you just push it on five, six, seven and keep it at that and do whatever you have to get over the line because it wasn't pretty the last 10 minutes they were lying on the ground they were playing it sideways backwards they didn't care they just wanted to get over the line because they'd been there and been caught before yeah fair play to them did well
1: do you think Mother was? Octaves- is Kind of mentioned quite frequently because you mentioned the hurt there, and you could even hear in Shane Cunningham's um, speech it was referenced.
2: Oh, Mologna is is like a curse around the club, and it has been. It's it's it was it's more than David versus Goliath. It was uh, it was just one of the most outstanding results I've ever seen in GA pitch from, and Croaks were just so humbled and embarrassed, but. They do not realise on the other side that Mullinok are a really, really, really good team and Croaks has took them for granted. Like, um, just numbers don't make anything. Mullinok have had six, seven players on the, on the Langford team. They were really strong and uh, the, the, the match worked out perfectly for them. But it was a huge uh, learning curve for Croaks because that year, Port Leash were very strong. They played Port Leash in the semi final because I remember it well and they were so up for that Port Leash game beat them well in Parnell Park. And what sometimes teams fall in, they thought all their work was done in the semi-final and there was time problems and a lot of things going into that Mollignac, the game, that just didn't work for them. Uh, And I'd say they were just determined to get every single thing right uh, last Saturday night.
1: And Danny, we mentioned um, Paul Mannion obviously wasn't playing for Crooks. Um, It looks like he's going to be out of the All-Aid in semi-final but as Brian mentioned, it's, it's a huge achievement for the club to win a provincial title, missing a player like that. But it, it just really shows um the depth of chemical Crooks have.
0: It does, and when you see their when you see Manian's influence in the games to date, uh, you know for them to turn around, um, and I suppose win the game, and you know it was pretty convincing in the end. Um, you would you would have to say that uh, Crooks have done extraordinarily well. But I would, and I would uh, caveat that it's okay in the next game, uh, you know, showing that resolve and showing that character. It's the games now that Crooks w- will be worried of. Uh, Manion, I suppose, Manion's a real blow to them, I would say. And it's the games going on now. Will they be able to lift themselves for the games going on now and games that will be against, you know, well, be. Kilku or uh, Derry um and they played. I think they played the Connacht champions. Yeah. So um, you know, will will they be able to survive White Monion in the next day out? And that'll be that'll be. And I was saying, Cork Park, as as Brian said, they're well used to that. You know, you would you would think that the the that the finals are sitting waiting on them, but again, they have been scarred by Mullenyata a few years ago, so they'll take nothing for granted. But it's it's probably. You know, I am I'm, I'm only talking from experience. You can deal with the loss of a big talisman the game after. It's the games after that, I think, that are um, really tell the tale in the team and the character um and suppose how to deal with a player of, of Manion's quality. Now obviously they had waited to the last minute to give Mannion a, a chance to get um to get those fitness tests and when they realised this isn't gonna this wasn't gonna work. Um, then and he went for the uh, for the operation. So they obviously had it all lined up, and it just goes to show you the uh, special, the specialism there that people are awaiting a fitness test at the labours are. And, and then if it didn't come through, it they can put them under the knife straight away. It sounds to me, it sounds to me like a like a, a bit of a cartilage. That's what it sounds to be. Nothing major. It's not an ACL. It would have been you would have heard of it now. It sounds like a bit of cartilage. And there, you're talking about 68 weeks if things go well, you know. Um, So, I would suspect that that would probably leave him out for the semi-final and it would be a rush to get him back for the final, obviously, you know. So, he's a blow. He's certainly a big blow.
1: Brian, just to bring in there, Um, he obviously was doing the media work during the week for Croaks ahead of this uh, Leinster, right. final, Leinster final and he said he wasn't going to be part of Desi Farrell's plans. Do you think maybe if he didn't pick up this injury, he would commit to Dublin or do you think he was going to take another year out anyways
2: it's hard to know he knew right well when he was doing that media interviews that he wasn't going to be played against this either and he kept that fairly stiff. Um, so he, he's not a man for giving away too much um, he's very much his own man and he always was and good mates with Jack McCaffrey as well could have an influence on it as well um, what is he 4-5 or five All-Irelands it's hard to keep the hunger up like, people have conflict and influence. Some people say that Desi was preferring Paddy Small to him and he was only coming on as an impact sub in Desi's first year. And then on the flip side of that, you have Desi coming out last weekend saying about the, the, the relationship he's had with Paul since the development panels yeah. in under-14. So um, I suppose it, it's hard to see in either side, but I, I I'd say he's... At the moment, I think he wouldn't want to make a call. It would be a huge bonus for Dublin if he did go in. Like, he's an amazing footballer. And he's, it comes across in the telly. And when you see him live, his speed is just unbelievable, uh, one-on-one. And that's why he nearly always has to be someone else covering when he is playing for the dubs. But he is his own man. And he's about to 28 now, I'd he's, say.
0: brain brand of his footballing career, 28, really. You could mm-hmm. you could make that out, right, like, I know that the the inter-county career, the age profile is coming down and down every year, but you would still make an argument that he's in the prime of his career at the minute. And uh, the fact that Paddy Small, it's not that Paddy Small isn't a fantastic player, of course he is, but when you look across the Dublin team, he's been there for a very long time and has been unable to nail down that spot, but Manning gives Dublin so much more in that position. The very, very, the variable game that he has. But then you know, he can drop out deep. He can come inside, and arguably, you know, a couple of years ago, he was, he was, he was Dublin's main scoring forward when, when obviously when Con O'Callaghan wasn't there, or um, it wasn't was having an off day, you know. So uh, Manion, uh, I, it is strange as you say. I find it very strange that Desi Farr would be saying that he obviously has a brilliant relationship with him. So I, I, you know, if you're reading that uh, on the outside, you would presume then that this is certainly down to just a lifestyle choice. Um, so that's that's the reading on the outside. So, um, but again, if, if he wasn't, if he was being uh, held in reserve, then you could understand why somebody was saying, right, well, I should be in, everybody else recognises should be in, and why am I not, you know?
1: Just on Kilmacud as well, um, Danny, it just looks from the outside. If you're looking at this club championship overall, a few weeks ago we were picking the winners and we were saying it was between Kilkou and Kilmacud. When you look at them two teams compared to the rest of the teams that are left in it, it's just their ability to control games and I suppose hold on to the ball where you feel other teams might struggle as this competition goes on.
0: Yeah, well, I suppose what, what, a man that had a f- phenomenal game the other day Um, that we haven't mentioned is Rory O'Carroll at full-back. He was immense. And like Rory O'Carroll, how many All-Iron medals? He's maybe five or six All-Iron medals. You know, still 31-32, still, you know, doing the business there at full-back. Um, when when you look at it, they look at the on um, that's a crook's... Um, and even a, a guy that uh, actually goes to the same gym as me, he was telling me he's down there with Kilmacud Crooks and I think he's training with a third or fourth team. Now, I, you know, Brian obviously would think there's like 10 senior teams in Kilmacud Crooks, you know. Mm-hmm. They're talking about the depth that they can go to and the conveyor belt to thousands of members. You know, you know, a brilliant setup down there, 10 senior teams that are operating at various different levels. Like... What what a pick that they have, and what a brilliant position that they are in. Kilcoo are a wee bit different in that they would have a limited enough pool. They've only two two senior teams. They were sorry, they have a senior team and a reserve team, like like most clubs in Down. And really, you know, they have a very very strong fifteen. A uh, couple of lads that have come off the bench, but they would not have the same depths as Crooks. But what they do have, they have a way of uh, working all together. A couple of market players, yes, but there are some of all parts. Their average players are above average in everybody else's team and squad. And that's what I would say um, about Kilku. Very, very different clubs in, in, in that sense. But Kilku know what they're about and they will grind teams down. They will go into the trenches and they will grind and grind and grind. And they have a very, very set way of playing. and that is. You know, if that's 15 men behind the ball, if they could get a 16th man in there behind the ball, they would do that. Crooks, they're going to come up against, if they do happen to meet, they're going to come up against a team that uh, are very, very difficult to break down. And no matter who you are, whether Paul Mannion or anybody else standing there at corner forward, any of the players there, if you're surrounded by men all the time when you get the ball, it's very, very difficult to play the game. Hmm. Um, so, uh, listen... It's, it's interesting, but you're two very different clubs in a lot of ways, but obviously two very dangerous teams, I would say.
2: Yeah. Coo have a huge advantage as well, Danny. I'd say you could agree with this, that I suppose but not too many of to them in with down, that they're spending
0: oh, them Totally right. And, and whether they will go or not, Brian, is, I, would, I would suspect that they won't. But, mm. you know, given that an Ulster title, if they win Ulster, the funny thing about it is, the more successful they are, you know, the chances are that down don't get their services. If, yeah. if that's, uh, if that's, I know it's a, a strange way of looking at it, but uh, yeah. that's that's that seems to be the approach there, you know.
2: Yeah, and and they have the benefit then of playing most of the year round with each other, rather than say with Crokes, they could have five in a Dublin panel and then the under twenties. There's a few hurlers, then there's lads on the second team in hurling. And then it could be disjointed. And then they try and piece everything together for about four weeks before the championship and hope everything falls into place. So that'll be an advantage then the queue would have.
1: I mean, Danny mentioned Rory O'Carroll there. He did have a phenomenal game and he was nearly kind of playing that role, I suppose, before he went travelling with Dublin where he's kind of sitting as that um, extra defender. And at club football, you'd find, you won't really find a better player than Rory O'Carroll to play in that role.
2: Yeah, any club would be lucky to have Rory or Carl, like I used to see him every Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday morning at training, he would be driving everybody at training, he'd be the first there, but like he was so vocal at training sessions for a man who was nothing to prove, like all Ireland's in the bag, all stars in the bag, went off to New Zealand for two years, came back and it's just like he was never away. He's just hitting lads harder than everyone else. He's the man lifting lads off the ground, getting water breaks, running in for a water break at training, running back out, and he just sets the tone. And it's no coincidence that him coming back to the country from New Zealand resulted in Croke starting to win again. He's that much of an influence in the club.
1: Brian, the efficiency as well, um, obviously it created chances against Port Arlington, but their efficiency was way off. Um, but it was obviously still encouraging that they were creating them chances. And as well, like we talked about a couple of the forwards, Tom Fox, um, Darren Mullen and these players definitely putting their hand up and uh, maybe to be involved with Desi Farrell later in the year.
2: Yeah, Desi Dolan was on point at the commentary as well on Saturday night. He said, just look how they hug the touchlines. And that's what the croaks forwards did. They went touch line to touchline and then then wait for a lad to break through the middle and then lads to come around in the loop. And it just worked time and time again. That's how Tom Fox got his scores. That's how Callum Pearson got his scores. And that's why Coke Park suits them. It's a, it's a hard surface. There'll be no slipping and sliding as such. The handling will be better and they keep moving over and back. Um, and yeah, a few of them have had a few months in at Dublin before. The likes of Dara Mullen, uh, Dan O'Brien has been in before. But they haven't been in with Desi. So they're definitely putting up their hand now uh, if they can put in another performance or two to, to, to get a good run at dubs.
1: Danny, then just in the um, other provincial final, um, Port Pierce's got over Knockmore one thirteen to one eleven. But Pat Flanagan, the manager of um, Port Pierce's, it's it's a phenomenal record, really, when you look at the counties and clubs he's been involved with in the past.
0: Oh, listen, uh, his CV looks oh, it's, it's, it's phenomenal when you look at what he's done, and. Uh, was it was Pat over Westmeath at one point?
2: Yeah, was brought it Westmeath brought him to Division One?
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, so he's a man that um he's a man that you know can can make teams successful no matter where he goes, and I suppose that's a that's a quality that. Uh, that, uh, you know, s- s- shows him that he's much sought after around the country, not just, obviously, not just um, where, where Paul the Pierce is, but right throughout, people like, uh, like Pat, like uh, uh, Mickey Morn guys like that are very, very much on. So. Maliki Maliki Rock now, guys that, that have the finger on the pulse have seen, been about, have that experience. And when there is so many young people, I suppose me and Brian's age, maybe going out, well, youngish, people going in straight off uh, after coming out of football, going into it. There's still there's still that place for that old head that has the experience and the you know, has seen the players and get, get the best out of players and that man management, that ability to to I suppose get players playing for you as much for the manager as it is the club side, you know. But you know, guys like Paul Curry and stuff um, hit 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 points and uh, five from play like that 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 is phenomenal in the Connacht final you know um, so but again you have to go back to it knock more kicked a lot of wides um, you know uh, never really got into their stride were giving away ball you would have to say that uh, if Paul Flanagan had piercers really well set up and and you know um, deservedly took took the crown there
1: Danny you mentioned Paul Carey um, there and Ross Common obviously failed to win a game last year between league and championship surely Anthony Anthony Cunningham's looking at him now after that performance yesterday
0: well you would wonder why you know uh, he has to be playing he has to be playing Um, guys like that you know that? Do you have to get the best element into county football? And there's no reason why you can't, with the proper man management and the tra- proper tactics, get that can can do that day in, day out anywhere they are. You know, so uh, I'm not sure who was picking them up, but I would I would presume if it's anything like Mike O'Brien, the go to, you know, a man would would have been looked at beforehand, and you would have been getting your best the same man marker on them, uh, and even during the game, I'm sure somebody was maybe switched on to them as well, or there's was, there was a lot of protection in with sweepers and stuff there now. So, you know, a guy like that, he, he, he should be playing county football week in, week out. And it's about, it's about the manager, or the county manager uh, getting the best down. But Cunningham, Andy Cunningham's good. He seems to be a very good manager, a very good man and a good modern manager. Um, So he's done it in Hurley, he's done it in football. So I see no reason why Kerry won't be have a major part to play with Roscommon in the coming season, especially if he's playing at like that form.
1: And Brian, at the start of this game, um, Lorcan Daly sent a ball into the square. You were there to try to attack it. Then another Pierce's player comes in and gets fouled. And when you kind of look back at the replays, I suppose of that penalty, you'd have to question Knockmore's defending. Even was there a need to foul in that occasion because? Did it seem to have the numbers there as well?
2: Yeah, like more sort of started slowly. didn't in the game they, 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 and it's only before the time they got to the water break that, that they got uh, themselves sort of half organized, but even at half time, like they were about two or three points down, and it's criminal in winter football to let yourself get that far behind. You need to get off or need to stay close to a team once you go four or five points down on a like the ma- match was in ballinaal wasn't it? soft pitch. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to be so hard to get those scores back, and poor Pierce's. It was just music to their ears once they got five or six up. Just drop lads back, and then yeah, the flip side of of uh, not more. Like and Danny has been there. It says you no know, more than myself. One of those days where just things aren't going well for you, and that was not more on Sunday. They were plodding along, kicking wides, making mistakes. Even Handy Freeze, cornerback for Knockmore, get with you, Handy Freeze, just kept the momentum with Pierce's number 15, tapping them over. And
0: it, it was just one of those days, and I'd say Knockmore have huge regrets over that game.
2: You know, really,
0: really do. E- even when they were chasing the game at the end, Brian, you know, you've been in this situation yourself, you know, you're two or three points down, I don't understand why you would opt to take a, a point, uh, and he kicked it wide. I'm, I'm not sure the individual who done it, but instead of dropping the ball again into the square from the right angles, working it around to drop it into the square, uh, you know, to try and get a goal. And um, actually, a couple of minutes after that, um, 14 for Knockmore actually did get a chance, and he blazed it over. But beforehand, there had been chances to just knocking into the square. And they opted to try and take the point at that stage, and we were sitting with two minutes of injury time left. So even decisions like that, uh, as you say, Brian, the decision making wasn't were wasn't there on the day. Um, and when they look back at, they'll go, you know, that I just, you know, they'll, they'll be deeper regretful of of an opportunity missed there for them. Yeah, Brian, you mentioned
1: winter football there and like from your own experiences of playing lads um, coming to you first, Brian, is when you're with a team like that and involved in winter conditions, is there a specific aim just to keep it tight and I suppose make it into battles um, when you're playing in these kind of tough conditions around maybe January, February?
2: Yeah, well, it's especially competitive games. If it's Leinster club football, and the game is on a soft, wet pitch, skill goes out the window. It's rolling up the sleeves and digging out a result. And it's the team that wants it the most will win it, or the team that's most organised will win it. That's why there's more chance of an upset on a heavy pitch, because if you do get ahead, it's very hard on the other team to get it back. And that's why I see Crokes been benefiting so much from Croke Park the big pitch they're big athletic guys and then we're coming up against club teams who just mightn't have the same athleticism as them so it is it's a different ball game like in the summertime if you're if you're six points down at halftime in the middle of July there's a chance that you can you can get it back you might have a bit of a win behind you like it's a it's, it's a quick game but if you're six points down in the middle of January and uh, it's a heavy pitch and the ball is sticking to the ground, it's, it's going to be very, very hard to get it back. So that's why it's important to get off to a good start and keep your nose in front. Otherwise, the other team will just suffocate you. You can get frustrated and it's, and it's game over.
1: How did you find playing in the winter, Danny?
0: Oh, my skin didn't like it too much now, to be honest with you. I liked that. <laughs> Like the summer football, not that uh, I don't use sunbeds, I don't use fake tan, or and I carry on. So <laughs> listen, nobody, anybody that says they enjoy winter football, you know, you'd be looking at them kind of twice, you know. But it's not. It, listen, it's one of those things. I suppose you have to do the preseason. Um, the, the rain coming in from the side, the wind, the sleet, the snow. It wasn't particularly nice. Um, but it's one of them things you just have to accept, and you accept it. Um. And certainly, when you look back on it now, uh, it's, it's probably something I do miss. I miss I miss football every day, inter county football every day, every week. So you know, I, you know, the, the cold and the wet. I suppose you just have to take it. But it is, as as Brian says, the soft, heavy fields are something that need to uh, you need to take account of and falling behind by six or seven points, it is more difficult because teams will drag you down, they will start to play smarter um, and, and increasingly you see that there's no real bad fields out there in the country anymore. You're, you know, the facilities out there and the pitches that are playing on, especially in the provincial grounds, are very, very good all year round, but um, in Balna it was particularly heavy. It looked particularly heavy, whereas in Croke Park it was much slicker. Uh, obviously the ground's harder, so uh, as Brian said, that that fitting into the more powerful guys, uh, and it certainly will suit Crooks. Even as far as if, if they did happen to meet Kilcoo further down the line, which isn't guaranteed, but if they did, I would see Crooks as having that wee bit of advantage from that physicality pr- perspective and playing in, in Crook Park on a harder on a harder field, you know. So. Um, Certainly, the summer is where you want to play in spring, but uh, winter's a necessity, and it is going to. It looks like it's going to be a necessity from here on. With the split season, you know, whatever way you want to wrap it up, club football is going to be playing at the latter ends of of each year. You know.
1: And Brian um, Hubert Darcy, the Port Pierce's full forward, going into goal after Paul Whelan, the Port. Pierce's goalkeeper was Black Caribbean for a pull down on um, Paul or on Aiden norm Um it was a big move by Poor Pierces, and they were talking after and they were talking about maybe saving a substitute and not using one, but it could have backfired because he didn't really seem to have any previous experience in, in goal. But then you have to look at Knock Moore and kind of maybe question why they didn't maybe put the f- full squeeze up on Pierces.
2: Yeah, it was an unusual move, but Hubert Darcy, just from watching him play, he, he didn't come across as a player who lacked much confidence, so I'd say he he wouldn't mind kicking a few short kickouts and taking those on and, and taking on the mantle of going in goals. And as we were saying earlier, it wouldn't be unlike a Raskoman person to do something mad either, like he was probably <laughs> trying to do his best uh, Shane Curran impression when he did go back there. Yeah. Yeah, look at isn't it? It all adds to the whole character of the win too, though. Like what they were doing there, and it adds to the genius of of Pat Flanagan, who's who's definitely on a bit of a roll
0: at the moment.
1: And Danny Brian mentioned there, Pat Flanagan on a roll, but Pierce is, I suppose, when the celebrations came down um, at the end of this week, they'll have to look back in that game. They were one nine to five up midway through the second half, and. As you mentioned, Knockmore did have chances towards the end to maybe force this extra time.
0: Oh yeah, and I suppose in any game the pendulum going to swing, um, and it's about keeping the score down when you are under pressure and when the tide is turned against them, when the odd team have momentum. It's always, always so important, and it's but it's easier said than done to be honest. And and with my brand, I, I particularly me, I, I do recall some of the worst defeats that you had is when you were in a winning position, and then momentum starts to go against you, and it's very, very difficult to regain uh, a hold within a game when momentum's against you. Um, uh, Kieran McGinie was always brilliant in in stemming that type of stuff. He would make a block, or he would do something really, really um, uh, heroic to try and stop that attempt, uh, that that tide. But I I felt that Pierce's weren't going forward enough. They weren't going forward with the same intent as as they were during that third quarter when they when they got uh, that uh, that lead going. Uh, i to make silly mistakes, giving the ball away, and and not not more obviously pushing. So they were being a wee bit more ambitious. But as I said, they had. They had definitely a goal chance at the end that went over, but before that, they had a number of chances, half chances. If they were not into to the square, could have caused all sorts of problems. Now they'd obviously done a wee bit of homework before because they had used the long direct ball in the first half that wasn't working. Um, so I think they were a wee bit, they were a wee bit uh, uh, naive in 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 w- when it wasn't working, how they would start to play or how they would uh, change things up. Um, and I think uh, possibly that should have come from the players more so than the managers. The managers could put, put the team out, but you know, as a player, whether something's working or not. So you, you gotta you gotta leave it to the leaders on the field to to change things up uh, if you need to. Um, so uh, yeah, they will look back, and there will be a lot of lot of points to note if they're going to go forward in the competition. And certainly, you would think that Crooks uh, Crooks won't be allowing them too far away from them uh, the next day out, that's for sure. Mm.
1: And looking forward uh, maybe when they do come up against Croke, Brian, um just briefly, um, it's, it's obviously where they want to be and it, they're in dreamland now in an all Ireland semi-final and as they've mentioned two hours, of, two hours away from uh, claiming Dandy Merrigan, but there would be a lot of hype now around a rural parish like Port Pierce's and going up to Crow Park and everything, um, which would be a big occasion for the club.
2: Huge occasion for them, and like they have nothing to fear either because Westmeath teams have a tradition of, of doing well. You think back to St Bridget's and the journey that they went on. I think it was two thousand and twelve. They were, and then in the final, when the six points down against Ballymon and came back and Frankie Dolan kicked the winner with the left peg. Um, so they will have nothing to fear, and they definitely won't uh, fear Croaks. One thing it is worth mentioning, and it hasn't been mentioned at all, there's a lot of talk of Mannion and Mannion missing, but on the other end of the pitch, Croaks' defence are very strong. Like you only can see the seven scores the last day was it ten before the, 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 the game before that. They when you go through the man for man like the McGowan's Keen or Rory O'Carroll. Like they're very strong. Killian O'Shea. All these lads have been in with Desi or Jim Gavin. They're very strong and, and they they'd love they love getting their matchups right. And if Kerry scores five points or eight points to the last day, the lads will only be licking their lips. They'll be putting their hand up to mark him in 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 a semi final.
0: So Craig, Daz, Craig Daz as well. A very strong performance the other day as well. Plenty of county experience under his belt. Yeah, it is true. So Cork
2: can play it both ways. If you want to go for a shootout, they'll go with you. But if you want to keep it tight, they've lots of men back that'll keep the score down and they'll just get a point or two ahead. But it is no, it's a great occasion for Pierce's and fair play to Pat Flanagan. I've come across him a few times in, in my career, and he's a gentleman and he's succeeded in. And he's won championships in three different counties now, which which is which is a very uh, very fair achievement.
1: Yeah, no remarkable achievement. Just looking at um, the inter-county football pre-season competitions um, over the uh, weekend and even some games during the week there, um, in the FPD League, we had um, the first few matches indoor um, in the Dome. Um, and I did watch GOMAO um, as, over the uh, Friday night there as well. And it, it's a very fast-paced game in um, Indoors and everything Danny. What do you make of them playing football indoors?
0: Yes, listen, if you can do it, I think it's phenomenal. Why not? Uh, why not? It's certainly something that uh, certainly something that uh, I would say fant- absolutely fantastic if you can do it, as long as the ball's not hitting off the roof and coming back down, then I think why not? You know, um, I'm not sure how it played out or how the players, did they enjoy it or I've never seen much around it, but certainly if it can be done, why not? Um, You know, it does lend itself to something a wee bit different. Do we see it taken off? Probably not. Do we see uh, a roof over the top of Cook Park? Um, I don't know, would they have the money for that after this uh, pandemic? I'm not sure, but certainly um, if we did go down that route of, of having one them retractable roofs over Kukari, we certainly add the atmosphere on, on any given Saturday, Sunday or 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 any match indeed. So listen, why not? Why not? And it's a preseason, it's a league, it doesn't it's not there's not huge consequences out of it. So why not try it? Um if it's success, surely run with it. Um but I just think you know, I can't see it. I can't see the the the, the outlay or the millions and millions I've spent to get it to that stage. <laughs> I would see it very hard. We can hardly build uh, Caseman Park at the minute. The, the, the number of different uh, issues and problems that we're, we're coming up against here in Ulster. So I can't see us uh, going down the Dome route.
1: And Brian, it is a remarkable facility. I don't know if you see much of it, but especially for these preseason competitions—it doesn't really seem any harm to be playing um, games indoors.
2: No, no, and it's great for some of those forwards to get their tallies up for the year. I see Niall Murphy's played two games there, and has he scored one twenty-three in two games? <laughs> so
0: gotta uh, do other lads for a year, you know. So uh say, Brian, a cold, wet night in Stoke. Uh, cold, <laughs> wet. <laughs> yeah, can Stoke? he do it on
2: a Tuesday night at Stoke? Yeah, <laughs> but he can do it in the dome and in Valley um, but no, but it's great, and sure, look, it's an FPD league. And um, as we spoke about at the last day, they're glorified challenge matches. But, um, did the era great speed? And and uh, Goldberg got good use out of it last uh, weekend there with a nice win over Mayo as well.
1: Yeah, no, it's definitely something I won't complain about, even if it's only um FPD. But as you did mention that, Brian, um. We were referencing Guy, I suppose, in the preview. Um, they won over Mayo 17-13, but they used a total of um, 10 under-20s um, from the 2020 victory over Dublin.
2: Yeah, and poor Joyce is, is given his uh, trust in youth, and you can't blame him for that. Uh, and those boys can't say that they're not going to get a chance. I think he said that they still have a panel of 39, and if you going to try and hold on to as many as them as he can. And, God, how lucky would you be if you're a 20-year-old in Galway and poor Joyce is after giving an endorsement towards youth. Wouldn't you just try and grab that with two hands and then try and nail down a spot for the National League then? It's, it's a great position for them young lads to be in.
1: And, Danny, we all know you're a big fan of um, Galway um, over the last few years. Um...
0: I love Galway, to be honest with you. I do love the kind of, but I love the way they play football. I just don't understand why they're defensively so bad.
1: Um, but what do you make of them, like, 10 under 20s from 2020? I know it's only early, but is that nearly too much, do you think? Or do you think with the way... No,
0: no with, with the way the pre-season competition is, um, get them in, get them playing those competitions. And I know when I, when I started playing county kind of Football in o two o three. 3 the preseason competition was, was something I, I really relished. Uh, I wanted to go, and you want to go and perform in them and prove that you can do it at a at an intercounty level. I would say that, and then you want to nail your place for the start of the national league. Um, which again you have that big uh, university uh, county pull, and at that time the universities had just come into the into the competition. Uh, had they, No, sorry, they hadn't come into the competition at that time, but there was certainly the Sixth uh, and I was at Jordanstown, I do recall at the time, and but I opted just to play with the county because that was where the future was going to be. That's where, if you're going to obviously nail down a place I wanted to do it early in that season, because I was only into the squad, I was young. Um, so I, I can understand why players opt to, to prefer... Or you know their county in those even in those pre-season competitions, because you can see even by carrying the way Tiger Connor lined out of the team to hammer, um to hammer was it uh, who, who was it Limerick, Limerick like Paddy Clifford uh, <laughs> playing in, in a pre-season competition you would wonder what the what the merit in that and some of the players that the that the, the very strong team that you put out but. You know, these guys want to nail down a place for the National League. You see the league is very, very important now. It's even more important given the restructuring of, of the championships. Um, so uh, you don't you don't want to feel that you miss out. And, and players will make themselves available. Um, they certainly don't want to just continue lead and all the time. They want matches. And you can see with the way Kerry approached that match that, that obviously, I'm not saying it's a priority, but players want games. And, um, and I think there's a real sea change now because even in my time, you would have seen established players had no notion of even playing the first half of the National League. Um, and now they're looking to pre- play in pre-season National League. And you'll see it increasingly that from day zero, given the shortness of the season now, it's finishing in July, that the county players will want to now play from January right through. Um, so it's not not a matter of keeping their powder dry for the for the warmer months, you know. Um, but, you know, Galway, going back to Galway originally, Galway need to get a defence. And if they can get a number of those under-20s, under-21 guys in, and they toughen up their defence and get a proper structure and how to defend, um, I suppose, from 15, 14, 13 right up or right back, then Galway will be serious because they have some quality, quality players. Probably the best player in the country in Shane Walsh. But I do feel sorry for Walsh at times because at halftime or early in games, Galway are beaten out the gate, and then it's 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 about damage limitation ex- uh, exercise for him. So I would love to see Galway doing something right because they can play football. They're great footballers, but they need to get that defensive structure right.
1: Yeah, Kelly McDay returned the last day. He hasn't played um, last year. He was in the AFL for a while. Um, John Daly to come back as well from Montpellier. He can. And definitely strengthen things. But Brian, even for some of these uh, counties, I suppose looking to maybe make the breakthrough and start competing with the I suppose maybe the top four teams where there might be a bit of a gap, your Dublins, your Tyrone's, your Carries, Mayos. No, it's only preseason, but surely it's no harm beating these teams. Like this was Poor Joyce's first win um over Mayo. And I suppose to breed that winning culture.
2: Absolutely, and I think James Horne alluded to it after the game as well, that he said it was quite obvious by looking at the game that Galway had a lot more work done than Mayo did. Because Galway can't start peaking for the end of June, July, because they might not be still in the Championship. So they need to get their their ducks in a row first and start taking the National League first um, and then tackle the the Connacht Championship. Another team that stuck out at the weekend, and I'd say now they have a good bit of work done, is Kildare. Glenn Ryan in charge now, and having worked under Glenn, very proud to be there, man, with Johnny Doyle there, Dermot Early, Anthony Rainbow, them boys are going to be, Division 1, staying in Division 1 is going to be a huge, huge um, motivation for them, and they hammered their meat out the gate at the weekend, I'd say they're flying it, and just can't wait to get their teeth stuck into Division 1, and you never know if they can get a bit of momentum from that into the Championship, then they could. If Davey could be happy then and Kildare give the dubs a bit of a run for the money in Leinster,
1: that all adds to the appetite as well, Danny. Um, obviously, what Jack O'Connor said about how Kerry was the dream job, Kildare, I think, uh, is a Kerry going to Newbridge in the first round of the league? Like, th- I think that's exciting a lot of um Kildare and Kerry fans.
0: Fuck like, yeah, um, you know, I suppose. I think maybe in Kildare, Jack O'Connor maybe got a bit of got a bit of stick for leaving and going to, to back to the kingdom. But you know what I blame him for? Absolutely not. It's Kerry. He's a Kerry man to to the bitter end. And from my perspective, uh, he done a from, he done from an outside point of view, he done a very good job in Kildare to get them where they were. Um, and the enticement of going back to Kerry to manage them. Was too great with his own county and he's familiar with it. And he sees that they are kind of underperforming or underwinning uh, nearly at, the, at this very minute in time. So I don't blame him for that. And I think anybody, any sensible Kildare person, won't blame him for going back there. And the team that Glenn Ryan has assembled, if Kildare aren't successful, and you measure success with staying in Division One and, and getting closer to the Dubs in Leinster and maybe getting a run uh, through, through a back door to or a restructured championship to uh, the quarterfinals or semi finals. If Kildare aren't successful under this management team, it's not there. And that's the way I would view Glen Ryan, Johnny Doyle, Andy Rainbow, and Dermot Early. It's not in the team if them boys can't get it out of it because Glen Ryan, you know. We played, I played against Glen Ryan a number of times and while he, you know, he was coming to the end, he didn't have the pace there. By God, he had the presence and he had the brain. There was no better man for reading the game and he had and some phenomenal, phenomenal games that he played against us in National League games um, simply because he just had that real good brain for playing football and didn't need to be quick. That was the beauty about him. He, he just didn't a bit like Paul McGrath. Didn't need to be lightning and fast, but just had it. Had that toughness, had that brain for football. Um, and again, a, a, a good person, a good a good fella. Um, and, you know, what you see is what you get on. But the odd guys that are in with him are, are really, really good people. Uh, very strong, very knowledgeable and inspiring for some of them Kildare players that are coming through, I would think. So, listen, I think there's a lot to be excited about in Kildare at the minute. You know they are building. They'll hopefully give Leinster a crack. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting in the first game. But I don't think I think the the Jack O'Connor, the fact that that he did leave and go back to Kerry, I think that's you know maybe a one or two people will have a bit of a snipe at him. But I think he'll he'll laugh it off. You know Jack's been around long enough to to see the funny side in that. You know.
1: And Brian, um, Danny mentioned the team Kerry put out for the opening round of the, the McGrath Cup. And I suppose the photo of Stefan Ockenberg going up to catch that ball has um, done the rounds, I suppose, all over social media um, this week.
2: Yeah, it's it's a trait that all the Aussie boys bring back, isn't it? The the knee up and, and getting the extra. I remember, Connor Glass was was done for it there, wasn't he, a few weeks ago? And and uh, I remember Mickey Quinn then, he was over in Essington for a couple of years and he came back and I remember his first few training sessions back at Longford as well, You'd be, the lads would be going for a ball and suddenly they get this knee in between the shoulders behind them and he'd be lifting himself above it so uh, so was people,
0: phenomenal
2: too Mickey, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah yeah, powerful man, loves the contact loves a bit of a bit of rowdiness but yeah, it's obviously works in the AFL but the referees here aren't buying it at all, So they are not?
0: At times, it, it's a bit inconsistent, I, I would say, you know. But I see nothing wrong, even with glasses, cats. I see nothing wrong. It's it's no different than somebody like Colin Corky, who used to put his horse into into the bag of a man and, and uh, that famous goal with Derby. Was it a push or wasn't it? But, uh, you know, listen, I know in the rule book it maybe says that you can't be jumping over somebody's back, but if if somebody has the momentum there and they're coming through, you're always taught from a, from a young fella, to protect yourself when you're going for the ball like that and you, you put one knee in front of the other but you know obviously um, that, that throw-in from the other did receive a, a, a fair bit of social media but I think it's like everything you know we all have caught great catches at some point in our careers but it's never been captured in camera this happened to be captured in camera you know and then people mad and go wild about it you think it was the first catch in Gaelic football at times you know <laughs> but I but Senegal, Paul, as you know, so...
1: And just on Limerick, like, Brian, um, they got a fair trouncing against Kerry, like, and it's hard for a lot of these players when that's your start to the year and you're kind of looking at making progress and you get a trimming like that.
2: Yeah, look, it's it's a tough start to the year, but then they're realistic too. They have a different set of goals and ambitions for the year than, than what Kerry do. But it, it, but it was, it carried a very strong team for a number of reasons. They're probably still hurting. They've had two semi-disastrous years now between losing the court down in that wet day in Port Creeve and then falling into the trap against Tyrone. And they've Jack O'Connor now. There's lads out to prove themselves. They don't know who he wants in the team, who he doesn't want in the team. So anybody who does pick definitely won't be going through the motions. And the first cat that they were going to skin just happened to be Limerick. And there'll be a few more along the way. And I suppose when you look at uh, Kildare fans licking their lips at uh, Kerry coming up to Newbridge for the first round of the league Jack won't be wanting to go up and get it uh, beaten out the gate either by uh, by his, his former team so he'll have those Kerry boys ready to go as well and hit the ground running because no more than what we said about Galway earlier on Like, there's no reason why Kerry should be getting themselves ready for an all Ireland final because they haven't got to one uh, in, in the last few years so the, they need to get their National League up and going first and then take it from there
1: and uh, just moving on to look at the uh, O'Byrne Cup over the weekend. Um, Dublin bet offly 212 to 13 points, Danny. And we've seen a, a lot of new Dublin players um, that Desi Farrell uh, was given a run to, have, blended maybe with the likes of Kieran Kenny and Sean Bugler in the team for that bit of experience.
0: Yeah, I was surprised that King Kenny was playing. You know, he's a man that does a lot of yards. Uh, Right from National League right through the Championship, and he's probably one of the last men. If you were to take somebody off, I don't think he's been subbed, unless he's been injured. Um, so I was surprised to see him playing. Um, you would like you would like to see, like, see Kilkenny maybe having a wee bit more of a rest, um, and keeping him keeping him ready because he's so important to how Dublin tick. Um, and even you know when they were beat by Mayo. He was still one of the main players there and instigators of the attacks um, for Dublin. So, probably a bit surprised that he would be playing. Listen, Dublin need to uh, probably, for themselves, they need to prove that they still have it. uh, That they can still go and dominate games and go and win in All-Ireland. You would say that they played one half of really poor football and were beat. Uh, against Mayo uh, sorry weren't beat were beat out after extra time so the, you know Dublin haven't gone away and they're going to be still very 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 strong you still see them winning Leinster but the gap is closing which is good for everybody else watching on but you would have to say that Dublin uh, with the Crooks boys still to come in and um, Daisy Far sort of still has to prove himself as well. I would say so. He'll be the, the appetite there for for himself with crowds being back now. And um, the, they all iron that they did win the six in a row was was uh, the absence of crowds there. Obviously, is a was a factor. Um, but I, you know, I still think Dublin um they probably need to get somebody settled That need to get a settled team. And um, they've left behind. What was interesting was that. Uh, Daisy Farrell did say that Stephen Cluxon wasn't coming back, and I suppose that was a that dominated a lot of the conversations last year. And I'm sure he just wanted to get that out of the road um, early this year that he wasn't coming back. And uh, I think everybody sort of realizes that he wasn't, but that that's the final finality of it. And and he's hoping probably that it won't be discussed again, and Dublin can get on with it, you know. Um, I would say that, so no, listen, it's, it's, it's again, it's now a wee margar for, for Dublin to put down but certainly it's something that they, they will be keen to get off to a good National League
1: Yeah, it's definitely, I suppose something now that I suppose people are probably fed up with here and with the age Stephen Clutton is at but Brian um, looking at that win over Dublin is there any players maybe that you feel is there at that game that could Maybe break on to that team this year for Dublin?
2: It's probably a big year for Tom Lahiff this year. He's, he's been on the panel for the last few years, um, on and off, play a game, substituted or bring brought on. Having watched him play for Judes this year, he's a very strong player, um, very skillful. Like, uh, he he played well against Offaly. Then you've Sean Bugler as well. These boys, are probably 21, 22 years of age, they'll bring great energy to their half forward line, half back line. And it also just goes to show you, like, Offaly had a, probably the, their pick out. It was down in Tullamore. Uh, they had their under-20s playing, the main men, the Jack Bryants, these boys. And then Dublin still win by five at, at, a, at a sort of a half-canter as well. So um, the boys who were coming in for Dublin are strong, but uh, probably Tom Lahiff, Bugler, probably the main adds. Collie Basquale probably needs to get off to a good start as well and maybe nail the spot. You know, because uh, these boys have, are, have been doing it for the clubs and been doing it for the clubs, and I'd say they're only eager you now to get a good run out with the with the Dublin jersey on.
1: And as well, Brian, I suppose um, Longford were a while appointed a manager, Billy O'Lachlan over them this year, and a great start really to get after for uh, Longford like, defeating Mickey Herzlow.
2: Yeah, it's it, oh, no, you couldn't be up to Mickey either. Like, there were there were twelve points to seven up loud were and they made a few changes and they ended up losing the game but they're playing each other again in a couple of weeks time in the national league and i'd say mickey had one eye on that too and um he probably saw what worked against longford and what didn't work and then he probably learned lots from it but look okay, on the flip side of that longford had on it was a great win and um, we don't have the luxury of of playing development squad players it's you, you try to get your squad at the beginning of the year we won't have 45 players to train it'll be 30 and that'll be it and then even the likes of Mickey Quinn Darren Gallagher were still playing but it was it was good to get off to a win and I suppose current champions from two years ago and it was a nice little bit of silverware for them to win back then
1: Danny and I catch a result here in the O'Byrne Cup Wexford 6-10 Leash 13 points um Obviously, it's a great win for Wexford, and they went through a lot as a team. But when you see that result for Leash, a new manager in, and Billy Sheehan, um, you're starting to think to yourself it could be a big struggle for Leash this year.
0: Yeah, um, I wasn't actually familiar with with Leash changing to Billy. Is that Billy that played with yeah. them? Yeah. Uh, Billy, I uh, and actually I, I had a couple of run-ins as a player with Billy. You know, he was no you the only one, there, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> He's an acquired taste, and then funnily, Justin McNulty had been managing them at one stage, and they had actually played, uh, and I would know Justin and then the McNulty's, and know a lot of our by boys actually, but uh, get well. But I'd actually met Billy in a, in a more of a, a, a relaxed setting of uh, hotel lobby, and I the best to crack with him. You know? So it just goes to show you, you know, maybe off the field that these guys, there's. The one thing that you do have in common is the love of the game and stuff like that. But Billy, yeah, taking over, he's a big job then. He's a big job um, ahead of him. Obviously, I always find that in management, particularly at inter-county level, everybody will think that they deserve to play. Um, And it's managing all those different egos that are at inter-county level. It's not a great start to him. But again, you have to give him... You have to give them a wee bit of time to see who's fit for it and who's not, and who's available and who's not. And unfortunately, if Leash are sitting in around that, and I know Ross Munley, I think, came on the other day. Um, so, you know, he's been a phenomenal servant for Leash. And in around that middle tier, down are no different than Longford or Leash. They're probably sitting in that middle to lower tier. If you don't get all your best players out onto the field in any given year, then you're going to struggle. Um, and I suppose Leish need to get all their best players rolling in behind the county team. Um, but it's very, very hard to to see progress, I think, now, more than ever. Uh, like we played even uh, when Brian was playing, we played Longford, and Longford beat us on, on a couple of different occasions. Good, good team. But I think even for them, and I'm sure Brian might might testament to this. But you always felt that there on any, any given day you can beat anybody at that mm-hmm. time, uh whether it be Ulster or Lancaster. And I th- thought like that when I was in that bubble of intercounty football. But I'm not so sure if I was an Indo County team now with Down or Longford or Leash. Would I think like that given how the gap was grown? And it's very difficult even for the Waxfords of this world. That result sixteen to thirteen pounds, that might be the best result Wexford get this year. And that's I suppose that's in a lot of ways, whether they build on that, which is great, but it, it's quite sad too that things. this is the best that it could get for them and it could be all downhill from there. And it is, and it's very, very difficult. So I suppose Wexford are in a situation where they had a very, very poor year last year. They're sitting in Division 4. And if they are going to get progress, it needs to be at National League level. They need to get out of that Division, division 4. But, you know, I suppose every Division 4 team are thinking like that now. So um, they're going to be up against it like everybody else. And these pre-season competitions, it's about getting their best players out onto the field, getting a wee bit of camaraderie there, and it's about getting an organized setup set-up so they can go into the National League. And one or two good results in the first couple of games, then that could be their pick. That could be the best that they get during the year, and they can go on and get promotion a promotion now for that middle-tier teams is massive as opposed to championship. That's what I would say, and Brian might be yeah, better look at that. Mm. You look at the teams in Division 4 this year, Tipperary Division
2: 4, Kavanagh Division 4, like it's no cakewalk out of that division either. So, uh, yeah, you'd want to be hitting the ground running and if we're sort of any hope of, of getting out of Division 4, they need to be targeting the very first game because it's going to be tight there. Brian,
1: just on leash, what have you met at them over the last couple of years I suppose all these supporters have looked back years and years ago when Mickle was overdoming and that Leinster title but but since then it, it's just seemed to be inconsistency year on year from them
2: yeah like in the mid-noughties they were in Leinster finals they won Leinster and they had great players and then in the last few years they've been on a bit of a slide alright they've won very few games last year Big thing for me is getting the Kingstons playing. If if, if you want to be making roads, you need Donny and Paul Kingston on your team. And if Billy Sheehan can get them on the field for Leash, they'll be as good as most teams in Leinster behind the dubs. But if, if Billy Sheehan can't get the main lads from Leash playing for them, it's like, as Danny says, in any county, if Longford can't get the main men on the field of Down, Westmead can't get your, your main boys on, it's going to be very, very hard. So I'd say... When Billy was getting appointed, one of his main selling points was that he would get the fifteen best leash players on the field, and that's why they they gave him the job.
1: Just uh, on the McKenna Cup, then Danny um, downward competitive against Tony Gall, uh, just yep. falling short. Is it must be encouraging? I know you were talking about maybe Kilku players not committing, but Down still might get one or two, maybe, Kill Who players, um,
0: two yeah, 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 arguably you could get one or two players at the side, yeah, they're going to throw their lot in, and you probably will get one or two. Maybe you won't get the seven or eight that, that you would feel that, you know, you could be doing with on the pond, but certainly the people, uh, the players, that there was a huge amount of newcomers, you know, when you look through, when I look through the 15 players that started against Down, you would say that 20, or, well, With the panel, sorry, there would be about twenty newcomers to the panel. The wider panel of about thirty-three or thirty-four, but on the field there was at least ten new debutants, and for two or three other players they hadn't played in three or four seasons, Um, and other guys that hadn't that been on the panel for a good few seasons, but hadn't got game time. So I was hugely encouraged by by. Down's resistance to Donegal, like Donegal, again, they were trying out players, of course who were, but there you still players like Mangan coming in, Thompson that came in, uh, good, strong intercounty county first team, first 15 players that have played championship. So I would be buoyed by the performance of of some of the Down players that, that came in um, the All night. And, you know, arguably... You know, the referee made a couple of dodgy, dodgy decisions, but again, that's with the biased hat on. Um, but again, you you would have to be encouraged. Down could always we, you know, I suppose as a county we could always grab goals. So you know, it was encouraging. It certainly was encouraging to see them competing. And, you know, some some of the things that I would say that you know, tactically, we still we still need to get something from a kick out strategy perspective. We're still lagging. Very much so they're in, in an organised kick-out strategy. But again, you know, it's early days, the boys were late appointed. I think that will come. But, you know, I'm encouraged, certainly encouraged by it, you know. uh yeah,
1: Mario Hagen had an interesting piece there um, during the week, uh, the down forward, just saying like that a player he always thinks about when he thinks of scaling football, Kevin McMenum, and he just feels maybe that when players come into the down setup, and if they're, not st- if they're not starting straight away, he just feels that the players are just starting straight away and that maybe they're not realising that the super sub does have this role to play in Gaelic football.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, Barry, Barry, I think he did say as well in the article that if if down were going to be successful or down were going to win anything, then they needed to kill two boys on board. Um, and I suppose if, if I had been, you know... If they don't commit, if they don't commit, and there's a lot of talk um, about Kilcoy and why they commit and why they come don't have to move on at some time, at some point. And if a certain club won't weigh in, you just move on. You move on with what you have. And from a player's perspective, it's something that I wouldn't get into in a public forum, in a public arena. I think Barry's been around a few seasons now. And in this last two years, you could say, particularly last year, the accident season, um, I, I think two bigger misses for Down are Keelan Mooney and Darren O'Hagan, Barry's brother Darren, who has decided. I suppose maybe he's had a number of injuries, and he's going to give the the, the club the last couple of seasons that he has now. Those two guys are. Keelan Mooney not committing this year? It's 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 not it's not certain. Um, and that I feel that that. Uh, that are they are big blows to Down. The Mooney is very very quick, very experienced, um, and is a marquee player when he's on the ball. Darren O'Hagan has been a fantastic player; He could walk into any team in Ulster uh, on his day. But again, had difficult had a difficult couple of seasons with injuries. So, uh, from Boy's perspective, I probably wouldn't go as far as saying that that that. I think it's you can say it without saying it, if that makes sense. And the fact that they aren't involved, if that if they decide to do that. Um uh the calculas if they decided not after a campaign not to go in, then that's fair enough. But certainly uh, he's right. He's right about the patience that one needs to have when they're going into an out county team. If uh, you decide to commit to an intercounty team. There has to be an apprenticeship served. I would consider there has to be an uh, apprenticeship concerned. You know, Sean Cavanagh, boys like that went, went in and were successful, went into fantastic teams and were very successful. Some of the Dublin lads, again, took a bit of time. Cahill McShane was in and out of the Tyrone team when he first went in, wasn't getting a place, and then had a wonder season. And again, last year, come back in, come back in late, but was fit, was strong and had to serve his time like everybody else so I think for young guys that go into an inter-county team if it's not going their way certainly if they walk away for me that's the decision around character made up um, they don't have the character they don't have that sticking power when things are going bad and if you aren't successful in down or where well, belong for or leash or are they going to stick about are they going to go to Marga? are they going to keep playing inter-county football for me uh, there has to be stickability with young fellas and if they're not prepared to stick around and I personally feel that the best example of people that stick around is in the current RMI squad, very few of them guys because McGee is such a good man-manager have walked away from the squad very, very few because is such a brilliant man-manager and he seems to get everybody to come along with him, but in the absence of, of, of managers of that ilk Players still need to decide, well, is it a dream to play from a county towards a county jersey? If it's not, then leave. But if it is, then you gotta have stickability there. It does build character. And I would say that it's still one of the greatest things that anybody can do with their, their career is, is playing the county football and represent your county. But Guy and Brian, you might have maybe thoughts on that as well.
2: No, I totally agree with you, Danny. You're you are you you're spot on just saying. Look, it's hard to compare with Kevin McMenamin too because he'll hang on and there's a 50% chance he'll have a Celtic cross at the end of the year too, you know? Which, like, you often wonder, like the lads of the Kilkenny Hurlers, I used to go in college with them and if Cody rang them to, to make up the numbers for an A versus B game, they'd cancel every plan and go down to that because they thought that they might get onto the panel then and then they'd get a Celtic cross. So it's, it's, it's a harder sell to be a squad player when you're, when you're a middle-of-the-road team and you don't know how your season is going, but you do need those players to, to buy in and you do need to serve your time, as Danny says. Like, you're not not everyone's going to be an automatic starter and if Porrick Joyce is, is breeding so many of those under-20s, a lot of those lads should be happy to be getting five, ten minutes in National League and then have, show a bit of form coming into the Championship and then they might get a half. So, uh, it's, it's not all going to come as handy as that or everyone will be at it.
0: And 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 Clifford, not everybody can go in and do what Paulie Clifford done, like mm. our, our David Clifford. Sorry, uh, like Paulie come in was in the uh, was was maybe in the panel and then come in and has done extremely well. You know there there has to be an uh, adaptation period with regards to county football, and yes maybe there are some lucky cases like the Sean Cavaliers over the years that come into a brilliant brilliant team. Uh, and David Clifford and boys like that, but certainly, I think you know, in certain elements in certain clubs, there is an arrogance there. When you go in to a uh, to a county setup, you should automatically be starting. And you know, I think they have a lot to learn, and they're f- quite immature. If 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 uh, if they do think they can go in there and just suddenly walks in into the first fifteen, but again, because we are in that middle tier, because down are in that middle tier, because we're not successful. You know, uh, I suppose it's different if you are coming from a successful club like Kilku and you automatically feel that you should be because your club or you're successful with your club. I suppose when I went into the county palm, Mickey Linden, James McCyrton, Brian Bournes, Zen boys were still playing Greg and McCartan. Like there was no room for egos in those change rooms because the boys would had the clip, you know, um, and put straight out back 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 out to the door. Plus it would it just wouldn't have been in you to be you sat you kept your mouth shut and you got on with your training. Yeah. <laughs> and the, but that's that's what they've done. But I suppose when when you've no success in an inter-county changing room, um it's you know it seems to be less patience there. That's certainly the way it is, you know. Mm. Mm.
1: Brian just on Irma and Kevin, um Irma going with a strong enough team obviously uh, they're going into division one to start with and have some huge games coming up but uh, bet Kevin won 12-11 um, during the week. um, There's a tasty little flick by Rhine O'Neill to Ross McQuillan who smashed it into the back of the net. I suppose Kevin just getting done when a goalkeeper uh, squeezed that kick out just at the end.
2: Yeah, and it's, it's sure the O'Neills are, are class acts too. Aren't they? Cross McLean have a, a nice little conveyor belt going there for the last 25 years of, of, of footballers. But again, like there's a common thread there with the Kildares, like Armagh are further down the road of development too. Like Calvin had a great year two years ago, won the Ulster title, County went bananas. They're in division four now. And um they just need to get back onto the horse again um, and 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 start looking at are they happy with what with their lot or do, do they want to go again? And, it's like Kieran McGinnes is, is an idol in our man. It's it's Danny. I I'd agree with what Danny says. The man management is the man. I know he didn't get to hold on to Clark, but he held on to, to to the rest of them. I don't think anyone would hold on to Clark. Um, but um, yeah. And these teams, like the National League, is huge. I know Kieran always refers to his record in Ulster over the last six, seven years, whatever he's been in charge. But if he's
0: able to stay in Division One, it it'd be a huge feather in his cap. it would be a massive achievement for them. And I think they have a very very difficult start. They've Dublin and yeah. they have Galway and Kerry away, or
1: Galway oh, you know, in Division Two this year now. Um, yeah, I, think first, I think it's their, I think it's their Tyrone. First,
0: Is their first three games yet? Yeah, Tyrone, sorry, Dublin, Tyrone, and I think the three of the best team, Monaghan. So there there is tasty of three opening three fixtures as you can get, and as Brian rightly said, they they. Yes, they put out a strong team, but the reason why they put on a strong team is they want to get their system and their organisation and their players right for the first league game against Dublin, because you get beat in that first league game, and again there's a wee bit of pressure there, Monaghan, that very very tough side, and and Tyrone, you know, a derby game against the All-Ireland champions, you know, it's a very very tough opening set of fixtures for them. So, you know, selfishly they'll be looking just to get. There's no peaking now. I don't think you'll see peaking anytime. And to a certain degree, I know Brian might disagree. I think players can peak now over so many seasons, so many years now, given the science around mm. conditioning um, and stuff. So uh, you would you would have to say that Arma, um, with Arma. But you know, Calvin. You would, Calvin. I think that was a. Good enough performance the other night against Armagh. You know, there was only four points a number of mistakes that were made, plus goal chances to them. Yeah. So you would you would think that Cavan will be buoyed by their performance, if nothing else. Um and they again, like Grant said, uh, will will they be happy with our lot or will they get out of division four as quickly as 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 they went into it.
1: And just on um Tyrone, Ryan, um Obviously, it was fantastic for them to get over the line and three players have announced their intercounty retirements for now in Ronan O'Neill, Michael Cassidy and uh, Hugh Pat McGeary.
2: Yeah, Ronan O'Neill. I remember hearing about him when he was 15 years of age. Was it was his nickname, God in secondary school, was it? Uh, he was uh, he or it was the answer. It was one of those two anyway. I think he was the, an absolute machine. And... Um, it's just frustrating, I'd say, just from him to focus on him out of the tree, that the, the, the game time that he got, it's, it's a bit of a Kyle Coney about him, isn't there? Kyle Coney was like you know, an unbelievable minor as well, and off to Australia, came back and was never the same player. I remember playing against Coney in 2011 for He's such a sweet left foot on him, myself and P.T. Hart were playing up front with two left pegs on them and. Ronan O'Neill is the same. I remember seeing him. He's oh, he'd all the dummies, he scored some great goals. He did his little salt celebration, I remember that as well. Up in Grove Park, and he's just frustrated now. And the only time I saw him making the headlines this year was the was he fourth in the fantasy football in, in in all of the
0: world, as well, isn't he? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it's if, if I suppose that them, particular, you know, when you as you said, they were phenomenal underage players. Um, who you could say failed to reach the same heights that they did at the underage when in their younger years talked up um, and stuff, but I'm not I'm not sure. I think there was also a timing issue with maybe some of them um, guys. And I, when I said timing, because uh, Mickey Hart stayed so long uh, as manager, it kind of run uh, aligned itself with our careers nearly as well, and I would all always. I suppose I would always uh, put a testament to the fact that it's good to experience different managers. Not too many, but it is good to experience different managers and different setups. And I think Jim Gavin was very smart in, in his five years or six so, years, Pat gallery passed it on. You know, you know they understood that a player does want a variation. And the fact that, I suppose, Mickey Hart had a leave to leave Tyrone kicking and screaming in the turnaround in the first year and the winning All Ireland. You know, and the different players that seem to have emerged, Myler, McGeary, uh, Cal Machine, you know, coming on as, a, as an impact sub, uh, Kilpatrick in the middle of the field. You know, they've made household names out of the fact that Throne have changed their management. And like those guys that, that retired, they probably, you know, for stickability, as, as we talked about early, for character, did they, they hang about? despite the fact that they maybe weren't games and, you know, they kept the faith. So surely they deserved their Celtic crosses and whatever guys that came. They mightn't have maybe got into the panel or mightn't even got onto the field. But, you know, those are guys that that done the hard, hard miles as well as everybody else. So to be fair to them, they've got their all iron medal. It's nice to be going with it, uh, certainly. But again, I would say that the fact that they had one manager for that whole time, probably they were a wee bit unlucky from that that perspective, I would say that.
1: Mm. Just finally then, um, Brian, and coming over to you, Danny, to just get your thoughts on it. Uh, The county that has probably suffered most with a departure this week is uh, Michael Quinlan not committing to Tipperary um, this year. Um, They obviously have a nice route in Munster, Brian. They've avoided Cork and Kerry, but to get out of Division 4 and with the how tight things could be—it's a massive blow for Tip.
2: Huge blow for Tip, and it's a blow for multiple reasons. He was going to travel, wasn't he, at the beginning before COVID, and then COVID put a halt to that. So he probably has it in him. He has itchy feet, and he wants to get that out of the system. It's also a huge blow for Conor Sweeney because Quinlevin was the big great cloy for Sweeney, and you couldn't always just focus on Sweeney. You had to mind the two of them, and when with Quinlevin gone, and if he's centre forward or full forward, wherever he was, it's just going to be huge responsibility in Conor Sweeney now to try and carry Tip. And it, it is a big blow for Tip. And I feel sorry for them because whenever they seem like getting close to a breakthrough, they might lose to a couple of players to the hurlers or a few lads might get injured or go away. So they got their Munster medal and, and delighted with that. Yeah, but Mike is huge and glorious footballer as well, even with Clonmel watching them playing Munster Club and, and All-Ireland semi-finals. Great, great footballer.
1: It is a massive blow for a tip, Danny, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and it's, I would totally reiterate what, what Brian was saying about the Sweeney and, and Quinlanvin. fantastic players. And, you know, uh, I, would, I suppose, again, somebody I would look up to and I would have great respect for is And um, he, he would always talk about the, the look of, of geography and the look of birth. Um, and, you know, Quinlan and Sweeney had been born uh, down the road in Kerry or Cork they could have a handful of medals or all iron medals and, and, and that is the way and it's the same with Brian if he had been born in Dublin I know he probably wouldn't have, he probably hates the guts but if, 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 he, <laughs> if he had been he could be bitten with a, a pocket full of medals and that is that is a testament to Quinlivan and Sweeney that they are that they are so well thought of throughout the country. But Quinlan is a massive, massive blow. Like, he's been a phenomenal player for, and still is a phenomenal player for Tipperary and has pulled him through so many games. But again, he's a guy that, that, if he wants to experience other things, you know, you have to allow for that now, that, that space, you know, um, that the guys go out. And, and Like, I love football. I totally invest in it, probably... Too obsessive about it, um, and you have to respect the fact that that everybody else uh, or some players maybe don't have that obsessive nature about it, or want to experience other things in life. And do you know what? Good luck to them As long as they, they're enjoying their life, it's a huge thing now. The, you know, making sure that people uh, experience life and have enjoy it and their mental health and all the rest of it. So, if he feels as a net, he needs to scratch. Well, do you know what? fair play though but we miss out as well as Gales we want to see the best players in the country playing and we will miss out because Quinlan isn't playing as well you know so fair play though he has that monster medal in his pocket um, and he was huge huge when it came to that whole that whole journey that they were on so uh, he can be very proud of what he's done thus far and away even if he doesn't come back hmm.
1: well that's great lads um, thanks a million for your time um, that's all on today's podcast